You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. there everyone thanks for listening to another episode of the sectarian review podcast uh and just fyi the network is a really new and excellent uh hosting platform so you can now find all the episodes of this show at the dash sectarian dash review dot castos.com so poke through there and see what you may have missed and also if you want to keep up with the show and some of the stuff i happen to write you can find me and my work at authory com slash Danny Anderson. And now on to the show. So all the interviews and discussions uh, that I do here are special to me, and I truly love the chance to connect with new and interesting people. This one is even more special because it feels like it was the product of divine inspiration. It sort of dropped from heaven, if you will. Uh, you may or may not know about my personal life here, but the last few years have brought some life-altering struggles into the life of both me and my family, and a lot of that has been due to the disease of Alzheimer's. About 18 months ago, my father died of the disease, and a few months after that, my wife, children, and I became live-in caregivers for my in-laws, as my father-in-law has that disease as well. So when I was contacted by Christiane at Elevate Media Group to talk with Greg O'Brien about a new documentary about his life with Alzheimer's, I felt a strong leading to accept the opportunity, even though it's a painful subject. The bottom line is people need to open their eyes to the reality of this illness, and I am extremely honored to welcome Greg O'Brien, award-winning journalist and uh, now the subject of the film, Have You Heard About Greg, to the show. Welcome, Greg. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Gosh, uh, the honor is all mine. I really do appreciate um, the chance to talk to you about this. Uh, it's an excellent new documentary film, um, Have You Heard About Greg?, which apparently came from uh, an experience at a high school class reunion. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. um, the title came from there. And I'm really excited. To, it was kind of a, a film that I, I both loved watching and was kind of painful to watch as well because so much of it resonated so closely to our experiences uh, in really emotional ways, which I know is the, the point of the film. And so I'm really um, excited for you to um, take some time out of your day uh, to speak with me. Um, Greg, do you want to tell us just a little about your background? You're an award-winning journalist, uh, and at some point you found out um, about your diagnosis. Well, maybe the best way to start is in the beginning. Uh, I lost my uh, maternal uh, grandfather, my mother, paternal uncle to uh, Alzheimer's. And before my father died, he too was diagnosed with uh, dementia. Um, I started years ago uh, experiencing the symptoms that I saw firsthand in my parents and grandfather. Uh, I was the family caregiver on Cape Cod for both my parents and was there at their bedside when they died. I had uh, earlier to uh, several serious head traumas that doctors said uh, unmasked a disease in the making. I was predetermined through the genes to, uh, to get this. And, um, and this was at a time when I was taking care of my mom and dad. And uh, so I was in denial 
fighting it. And, and, you know, and it was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. And uh, so I, uh, um, I was in denial and there's a chapter in my book. Uh, I wrote a book called on Pluto inside the mind of Alzheimer's uh, from which was the, made the documentary. Have you heard about Greg? Um, and there's a chapter in there. It's a quote uh, from Mark Twain, denial ain't just a river in Egypt. And, um, <laughs> and, and so I was able to do as an investigative reporter, uh, I, I wasn't able to multitask. And so I reached out to doctor friends of mine and had the brain scans, spec scans, clinical tests to find out what the hell was going wrong here. And, um, and, and, you know, it, it, it was a trademark a diagnosis of uh, early onset Alzheimer's. And it, it turned out that uh, as I took the gene test that I also carry the Alzheimer's marker gene, APOE4, which people could look that up. So, um, I decided as a journalist, um, you know, I think lying down in, in uh, wrestling as a position of defeat and I could go into a pity party. And I said, well, pity party is really a pity of one. And why don't I write about this in a disease and uh, faith, hope and humor about how to survive. And, and uh, I was raised Irish Catholic. Um, I'm a third generation Irish American. Um, but I have a strong faith, the most imperfect guy in the world. I'm more evangelical now, but if anyone asked me what my denomination is, if that's important, I would say Irish Catholic. But um, as I said before, most imperfect guy in the world, but I had no one to turn to but my Lord Jesus Christ. And, um, and I did. And, 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 and the Lord opened arms to me. And um, any credit that comes out of this is not due to me. It's, it's, it's due to God. It's the spirit of God, and um, God says, and we do. Yeah, at some point, your um, many of the the people who appear in the documentary, one of the people mentions the fact that you're sort of a really, almost a, a, a I won't say miracle, but a, a really unique case um, for Alzheimer's, as you're able to sort of report on it, as it were, from inside to other people. So you're both. You have the disease, and yet you're able to communicate about the disease in in sort of unique ways. And somebody traced it back to your your life as a journalist, as a writer. And so right. you you have this um, kind of skill that you've developed over a lifetime. Muscle, it's muscle memory. <laughs> it's the who, where, what, when, why, and how. And um, I, my mom uh, was a big supporter. She's a hero in my life. My father was a hero too, as well. But she wanted me to write about this and um, to to basically open doors of thinking. There's so many stereotypes about this disease that are just wrong. Uh, Alzheimer's is a disease the experts will tell you that can take, and I'm sure you know this through your family now, 20 to 25 years to run its course. So the person who says, well, my mother was diagnosed and she died six years later, the sad reality, but there are exceptions to everything, is that that poor woman probably suffered silently for 15 years, as my mother did, because of the taboo, afraid to talk about it, afraid you might lose their job, uh, you know, in, in, in fear, because it's the brain, you, you can't remove a brain. And so what I'm trying to do is uh, to give faith, hope and humor through my walk with on Pluto and in and, and the film, Have You Heard About Greg? Um, because there, it, it's, it's not the end of the world, as, as the great Bugs Bunny once said, uh, and he was paraphrasing someone else, uh, don't take life too seriously because 
nobody gets out alive. And uh, I want to give people hope. And um, there's a lot of bad things in the world. Alzheimer's is bad, um, but but there's still faith, hope, and humor. Yeah, that's one thing that really stands out about your work, and particularly in the film, is you have a very unflinching um, sense of humor about it. And so you're both you're you're not shying away from the reality of the situation. You bring to it a, a good heart, right, and a good humor. And d- is that part of your journalistic? style uh was that is that that unflinching uh honesty is that part of your journalistic yeah, style? i i i think it is you, you, you know as a journalist you you know become kind of a hard ass you did tell me that you can have to censor me but <laughs> I, hopefully okay. that's okay with your audience and <laughs> uh, and 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 so you, you you put on that rough shield and um you learn to make fun of yourself and that part is the irish part of me and also um i think the lord is very humorous the lord created humor just like the lord created ernest hemingway and um so i think god has a sense of humor yeah yeah there's one story you tell i I believe to your pastor in the in the film about you yelled at god uh, one day and he sort of yeah (laughs) he responded can i say that yeah go ahead all right so um so i was just upset uh i i get I, i i let me back up a little bit um, I'm working off with the doctor, bring me back to this place. Cause I will lose my place. Okay. Um, but, uh, I, I work off what doctors call a cognitive reserve. So people can look Harvard medical school, look that up. And it's like an extra fuel tank, um, that can help you go through. And, and people who tend to have it are people who early on exercise their mind and their body. And, uh, I was given a good brain. So, why not use it? So that's that's the Irish guilt. I couldn't lay down. I had to use my brain. <laughs> and uh, but at times, sixty percent of my short-term memory now can be gone in thirty seconds. Um, uh, if I put me in a room uh, where there are people I've known a good part of my life, seventy percent I probably won't recognize. Uh, I deal with tremendous rage. Uh, I, it I see things that aren't there. Loss of self. Loss of place. Um, and, and, and in the journey, uh, because of the deep black hole depression that comes with this, there were twice I came close to leaving the planet. God said, no, you're not done yet and you don't have the right to do it. So, all right, now bring me back to where I, you, the question that you asked me, I'm going to see if you have Alzheimer's. <laughs> there was a, uh, a humorous exchange with your minister okay. about right. yelling no, you, about God. All right. all right. You're good. You're good for now. Uh, so, uh, I was just really I could say the word pissed off at God. And I, I, the Lord has big shoulders. And I was in my office studio here next to the house. And uh, what happens in this disease and anyone who's listening, who knows of it, um, the, the, I, the brain short circuited. I, I didn't know where I was, who I was, what was going on. And, and I realized what happened. I started yelling at God and I believe the Lord has big shoulders. And, and I said, do you know who I am? You got a clue? I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm an imperfect guy. Uh, and and um, I, I work at confessing my sins and trying to do better. And, and I refuse to give up. And, and you own me, Lord. You own, you own me. I'm yours. But you gave me Alzheimer's. I also suffer from advancing prostate cancer. Um, my um, brain cells in, in the body are not connecting and, and parts of my body are numb. I'm starting to lose my sight now. 
uh, you know, the deep depression. And, and, and I said, you got a clue who I am? And I heard the Lord answer me in my heart, which I believe is the place of the soul where you communicate when your brain doesn't work. And I believe that God will use on occasion words that we use all the time, just so we know the Lord is reaching out. And, and I was angry and I said, do you have a freaking, I was a WTF talk with God. And I dropped some of those F-bombs, okay? And then I said, do you have a freaking clue who I am? And I heard back in an instant a word that I use all the time. Yes, dumbass, I made you. And I have you right where I want you. And I said, okay, that's all I wanted to know. And, and then I was so excited because my God called me a dumbass. And I, 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 you know, I want a God who's tough. And, and I want a God who loves me. I want a God who pushes me and makes me better. And it, that made me, now we're all different, I understand, but that made me so in awe of the Lord that the Lord called me a dumbass. I, I was so excited about that. <laughs> it's right up my alley. I, I, I love that story, um, and I, I could totally relate to it. And frankly, half the Psalms are basically that, right? <laughs> oh, so- yeah. Well, you read you read the Psalms, which is one of my favorite books, and I need to read the Bible more, so I don't want people to think I'm a saint here because I'm not. But... Um, it's it's the Psalms really teach you how to pray because sometimes you get so frustrated in life you don't know what to say and I would advise anyone because I'm there a lot open up the Psalms and just start reading yeah yeah I agree and, and, and as a person who you know studies and teaches literature the poetry of it, it speaks to me very very closely as well and it, it kind of leads me to something I want you to um, speculate on here a little bit. And this probably comes from you being a writer, but you, I'd like for you to describe as you can the experience of living with Alzheimer's. And I noticed in the film, you you depend pretty heavily on certain metaphors to to translate the experience. The name of your book on Pluto being one. So like the the use of Pluto as a metaphor for explain uh, the experience. And there's another one, um, a, a drive by person. You you keep talking about your interactions with other people as sort of drive by interactions. And uh, I, like, could you? Maybe, All right. So so yeah, let's let's. Let's make these two questions. You remember the drive. I'll do that. Yes. And, and uh, I'll, I'll do the Pluto, but I have to invoke my mother. Um, and, and I've written about this. I, I wrote a piece recently in psychology today uh, about the place of the heart. And um, my mother in Alzheimer's taught me that when the brain starts to fail and, and maybe the brain isn't all that it's cracked up to be search for your heart, which I believe is a place of the soul which I believe survives. And I was in church the other day and I was with a friend of mine who has ALS and he's slipping. And another friend of mine has uh, ongoing prostate cancer. I was praying for them. And I heard the Lord say, Greg, you don't die. Your body dies, your brain dies, but your soul lives on. And that, that just, just so encouraged me to, to, to walk in that. And, um, and now I forget where I was going to go with it. But Pluto. I that was, Pluto is a metaphor. I'm Pluto. Yes. So my mom taught me how to reach into the soul. And I would encourage anyone spiritually through scripture to, to reach and reach out about how you connect more with your soul. I'm not saying forget your brain because the brain's very important, but, but, but the soul and um, my uh, writing 
has gotten more lyrical because I'm writing from the soul. And 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 I I had a good friend of mine. I'm gonna uh, challenge you with your bleep mechanism again. <laughs> I had a good friend of mine who's an award-winning writer out of New York, and he said your writing has gotten far more lyrical in your Alzheimer's journey. And frankly, you're less of an asshole now. <laughs> so, that, that for anyone who's listening, um, losing filter is part of the disease, and I don't mean to offend anyone. It's just part of you become like Larry David, which can be good. You say whatever comes on, on your mind. So um, the next part of the question was a question that you were going to tell me, so I didn't forget. Um, in your personal interactions with people, you talk about a drive-by interaction. Right. Yeah, thank you. So. Um, I first, uh, uh, the, the sense of drive, but it's a common word used all the time. But I remember when I first experienced in my own soul, my own stupid drive by, I was on, on the beach as a young man, you know, we had young kids and I was walking by this woman who I knew and she's there. And I just said, uh, so how you doing? And I didn't really care. I, I just wanted to keep walking. I was doing the drive by. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? And, um, all of a sudden she goes, not very well. My husband left me last night mm. and that stopped me right in my path. And I learned from then on that you can't make judgments by, um, what someone looks like and, and you never know where they are in a disease. And, and you can't judge me because I do an interview with you when you don't know what happens behind the scenes. And let's say that you're dealing with someone I'm very familiar with, with depression and, and maybe someone's trying to hide their depression with humor. Yeah. And so you can't assume that um, because someone looks good or they say this or that, that everything's fine. And I've learned uh, and, and I have to work at it every day to try to Alzheimer's has made me more sensitive to others. Mm. And, um, and, and, and just to, 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 you know, Delve in. I had a good friend of mine, um, the wife of, 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 of a good friend, and she had breast cancer and lost two breasts and they were reconstructed or whatever they, but, but she's gorgeous and she looks gorgeous. And um, I, I, a lot of times when I see her, I'll give her a hug and I'll say, how you feeling? Because I, I know you're probably still scared. And she said, thank you very much for saying that. Because so many people say, oh, you look so pretty. Oh, she's fine. And you, we don't know. I don't know that we're quick to judge. I think we are, but we get so tied up on our own lives that we don't look below the surface. And part of on Pluto and part of the film, have you heard about Greg is reaching out to people to look below the surface. Don't, don't do a drive-by and, and I'm guilty of drive-bys. So it's an uncomfortable conversation that we try to avoid. Right. And, and, yeah. and in my own experience, I feel like there's this sort of cyclical, uh, I don't know if cyclical is the right word, but there's a, uh, often I feel like my father-in-law when he gets angry and that sort of thing, it's caused by an interaction with another person. And I feel like he probably feels isolated and, and alienated, um, from the larger group. Um, and I think often it, it's a form of our use of a drive-by interaction with him, right? Uh, the, this kind of lack of including him sort of in what we're doing. Right. And uh, do you, do you experience yeah, this? He, he, 
Yeah. And, and people have asked me that before. And how do you respond to someone with Alzheimer's? And, and I say, um, well, it's a four letter word, but don't get nervous. It's L O V E. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and people with in this disease want to feel that love in the early stages, you know, something is terribly wrong in the end stages. You don't know anything. Uh, you got a good memory, by the way, ask me the story about when my mother died. Not right now, but okay. I'm just giving you assignments to see if you have dementia. <laughs> well, I, I'll write it. I write it down. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now I just tell me where I was before the, the, you're seeing this stuff about, about sort of um, alien being feeling alienated and responding. Yeah. To love. yeah. So um, and a lot of time it's touch and uh, a simple touch mm. on the shoulder. Love. Um, the, the person knows that in the early stages there's something wrong and they feel alone and try not to make them feel alone and try not to overcorrect them. Sometimes you have to correct. But let's say we're looking at a wall and um, and it's a blue wall. And the person with Alzheimer's says, what a lovely red wall it is. And the other person says, no, it's not red. It's blue. No, no, it's 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 uh, it's red. No, no. You know what that does is that this is a small example and maybe not a good one, but that just reinforces with the person their their state of mind two things there's a state of mind and a state of soul and in this disease if you could step away from the state of mind and focus on the state of soul and and my guess is your listeners probably are far more expert in that than me um it's that's 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 what a disease the upside of a disease like dementia can turn your can turn you inward more to your soul if you want or you could sit down and you got the pity party going, but that's a party of one. Yeah. And, and this is where the, the attitude of humor and faith, uh, comes in for you. Uh, well, let me, before I forget, uh, let me ask you about your, uh, the, the story about your mother's death. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, again, this gets back to the stereotypes of, of, uh, the disease. And, and I was there at my dad's deathbed. Um, and, um, he, he was going quick. I'll tell you a quick story. The, uh, he had a lot of things going on. He had prostate cancer like me and uh, macular degeneration and, and dementia and uh, circulation disease. And so uh, he was in the hospital and he was coming home and um, he just wouldn't die. You know, um, the, the, and, and so uh, they had me uh, go to uh, the, the, the pharmacy. There was a mix up and I had to go to the pharmacy to pick up um his um um god it's an m word what's that word with uh morphine um, yeah they, they um there was a mix-up at the hospital and it, it turned out i had to go to uh the pharmacy and they all knew me to pick up his morphine and i realized driving up i was on cape cod 15 minutes away uh i was delivering my dad's death sentence mm. and i got there and they had a hospice nurse who was a friend of the family and my mom in full-blown Alzheimer's, lying next to him in bed. And um, and she was taking it all in and, and he couldn't speak, but he could he could nod his head a little bit. And I said, Dad, um, can you hear me nod your head? And he nodded his head and I held his hand and I said, Dad, it's okay to go. And he nodded his head and I said, we'll take care of mom. And he nodded his head and then I said, Dad, 
do you see a light out there? And he nodded his head. And I said, Dad, you race for that light. And then he was a military man. And I said, Dad, it was an honor to serve you. And um, my mom and her Alzheimer's slept next to my father that night in full-blown Alzheimer's where people said, well, you know, she can get lost in the woods. Of course, people can. Um, they both fell asleep and my dad never woke up. And the next day when I was there, my mom said, I don't know how much longer I have to be around. So uh, in, in her Alzheimer's, she which was interesting. I write about it in the book and there's a mention in the film. She started seeing things the color of yellow. And, um, and my wife would be driving around. She said, see that yellow car? See that yellow car? And my wife said, what's, what's going on with the yellow stuff? And I go, I don't know. So I was hanging out with my mom. I started seeing yellow. And, uh, and so I, I, I went as the journalist that I am, and I researched the color yellow. And if anyone does, there, there are incredible uh, definitions of the color yellow. And, uh, um, and, and people should look that up. But one of them is yellow is the color of angels. Mm. And, um, and I realized the angels were coming to take my mom home. When it came time to take her to the nursing home, which was the toughest day of my life, my brother, Tim, was up from Connecticut and we're packing her up after my dad died. And, um, I, uh, Tim, Tim had bought a yellow Jeep beforehand mm. to make my mom feel good. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and the interesting thing, when he brought his yellow Jeep up to the house in East Ham on Cape Cod, she was in the house and said, mom, I want to show you my yellow Jeep. I just found this out last summer. I never knew she said this, but he, he said she did. She said, Tim, do you realize yellow was the color of angels? You can't make this stuff up. No. And so I went out and I bought a yellow Jeep, uh, but a four-door Jeep, because I wanted to show my brother that mine was bigger than his, but <laughs> because I'm Irish, it really doesn't matter. I'm really testing you now about what you got. <laughs> going to say. Unfortunately, we had a three-minute interview with this guy. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, this and, is what makes it so charming. Go ahead. All right. And, and so um, uh, I drove her down to the the uh, nursing home. And on the way down, I called my brother who was packing a lot of stuff for her. And I said, Tim, you're not going to realize this. There are two yellow cars in front of us and two yellow cars behind us. Mm. And then I said, but it's probably coincidence. Well, it wasn't because the cars peeled away and three minutes later, the yellow cars were there. Mm. So she went there to die. And uh, in the hospital, um, I had put uh, a photo of her grandfather. I'm not going anywhere. Don't worry about it. Um, this is the photo. Okay. And, um, that's my grandfather died of Alzheimer's. And I put that this photo at the foot of her bed. So every morning when she woke up, she could see her dad and realize she wasn't alone. Yeah. And I got a call. I knew she went to the nursing home to die. She was there like four months. And um, she because she had heard the discussion, if you want to let go, it's okay. Yeah. And um so the nurse says, you got to come down. She's really scared. So I drove down. I don't drive anymore now, but uh, about nine o'clock at night, two miles away where the nursing home was, and she's asleep in bed, beautiful, bright Irish woman, probably five foot one, 110 pounds, had 10 kids, five miscarriages. So, and, um, and I said, mom, I'm sorry to wake you up. And she's in her final, she's, she's leaving the planet now. 
And she said, no, Greg, I'm glad you're here. And um, that was the first time in eight months she could use my name. And, um, you know, they, 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 they talk about with some people um, at the end of life, when, when the body is wrestling against the soul, they come more alive. And um, so I sat down and I held her hand and, and um, we didn't have a big conversation, but we talked. And, uh, but I, you know, I don't care what anyone says. I felt that the spirit of my grandfather was in the room and I knew something was going to happen. And so she falls asleep. I got up and I kissed her on the forehead. Immediately, she woke up. Excuse me, it just gets emotional talking about it. And said, Greg, where are you going? And I realized the moment was at hand. She's telling me she's dying. She's going. I don't want to be alone. And I said, Mom, I'm not going anywhere. We're going to ride this one out together. Sat down, held her hand till she fell asleep, kissed her on the forehead. She never woke up again. Mm. Yeah, it's a powerful story. And it really gets to the role of family uh, in the experience of this disease. Um, Not only is I have another assignment for you, by the way. Okay. Maybe we we end with this. Uh, The uh, Los Angeles Alzheimer's Association speech they asked me to give. Okay. It's a good way to end it. Okay. I'm going to write that Just down. Just like the LA Alzheimer's Association. <laughs> I will end with that, I promise. Right. Um, but the role of family is uh, is really important. And it's part of the, the seriousness of this disease is that it doesn't just affect the person with the disease. It, it cascades out through their families, right? There's a way in which your family is instrumental in taking care of you. And there's a way in which it kind of um, takes over a part of your life. You experienced it as a caregiver yourself. Um, and so I, can you talk a little bit about the kind of intergenerational consequences of, of this disease and why that is, wh- how that makes it such a serious threat? Um, well, Al- Alzheimer's and I cut up a frog in high school, so I'm not a major medical guy here, <laughs> but I did a lot of research as a journalist, but um, you can, you can, have Alzheimer's because through inherit through your genes, but there are a lot of people, maybe more than not, who develop Alzheimer's without a family history. Now that's not to say that there wasn't some Alzheimer's that never got detected. And um, I, I think to answer your question is, is, you know, well, what, what, what do we do about it? To answer your question is what do we do about it? And uh, um, I, I think that what, what you do about it is uh, um, called brain health. Uh, I, I'm involved with us against Alzheimer's around the board. And um, if people Google us against Alzheimer's um, and then put brain guide, um, you're gonna come into a section where it gives you good information about how to walk in faith, hope and humor through this. And, uh, and to get an early diagnosis, which I ended up getting because of my uh, uh, head traumas. I probably got a diagnosis 10 years before, mm. and I probably would have waited like everyone else because I was scared, and I, wouldn't, I, I couldn't write Pluto today. I can write short columns, but I couldn't write Pluto. I could then. And, um, and, and so, again, us against Alzheimer's brain guide, look at that. And then... Um, the other thing is uh, I, I do a lot of advocacy work for the Cure Alzheimer's Fund 
of Boston. And there's a, a Dr. Rudy Tanzi, Harvard Mass General. Uh, he's considered one of the top world experts in Alzheimer's. And uh, he's come up with something called SHIELD, which, which is, it, it, it gives you advice on what to do. It's the letters S-H-I-E-L-D. So if people um, Google Dr. Rudy Tanzi, T-A-N-Z-I, and then S period H-I-E-L-D, put periods between all the letters, you're going to come across um, more information about how to live with this disease. The Bugs Bunny quote, <laughs> nobody gets out alive. My pastor uh, gave a sermon about this. And he said, last time I checked, um, death was hovering at about 100%. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's true, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's true, and, and it's just such a. Uh, I don't even know what to say about the uh, the profiles of your family um, as as they're sort of relaying you, you, the experience of, of helping you um, throughout these last couple of years. It's very moving, um, and um, and it's a team effort. I don't know how else to say it, right? The, this the living with this disease, um, and that's one of the things that with the. I don't know if there's environmental reasons that people are developing Alzheimer's at higher rates or what, but um, the numbers are predicted to go through the roof in the next oh, yeah. 20, 50 years. Well, um, we're yeah. living longer, but but I I, 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 I agree with you. I, I'm, um, I, I just think that, you know, we put a lot of things in the air we shouldn't be doing and, and, uh, um, and, and there's a lot of stuff out there and, and, and you know, in, in the future, you know, the viruses, you know, I don't know how that happens. I'm not an expert on it, but I know it isn't the same as 1950 when I was born. Right. And, um, and, and so who knows? Uh, but also uh, people are living longer now. Yeah. It's true. And that, that's, that's, that's happening, you know? Yeah. Um, and our medical system just isn't equipped to cope with the numbers of people who will be needing Yeah. Healthcare. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, it, you know, it, it's going to bankrupt the country. Yeah. And, um, and we have great, you know, medical specialists and nurses and all that. My sister was a nurse. She passed away recently related to cancer. But I have, you know, great faith in nurses and doctors and things like that. But this is a very complicated disease. And, um, and right now there is no cure. Yeah. And it's going to take a while. So you have two choices. You can say, okay, I'm going to give up. Or you could try to walk in faith, hope, and humor. Yeah. And there's a lot of help in doing that. Right. There are lots of groups out there um, organizing both in terms of research and in terms of support. And, and I right. highly, highly recommend um, people like look into those. And I will provide links in the description to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, there'll be some hyperlinks. Um, I'll, I'll find that brain guide from Us Against Alzheimer's and the Tansy um, Shield method. About There's, there's another one too, and, and, and it's a national model, but it's Cape Cod related. And, and I know the, 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 the women who run it, it's the Alzheimer's Family Support Center of Cape Cod. I probably have that a little wrong, but it's close. The Alzheimer's Family Support Center of Cape Cod. It's in Brewster, Massachusetts. And um, that website will give you insight and help. Yeah. And, and maybe someone could look somewhere in their part of the world to see if there's something similar. Yeah. Before I swing to the end, can I go back to something you mentioned just in passing a few minutes ago about not driving yourself anymore? Um, I, that has been a particular struggle um, with both my 
my father and my father-in-law is that i mean it's i it's, it's about losing sort of independence and uh i mean how have you taken that life change well it it, it was it was tough but um let me tell you how i got there uh i was getting lost on back roads on cape cod that i'm 72 and i've lived on cape cod 50 years so uh and i didn't know where i was and then there was one day uh, I came up to uh, an intersection that at times can be busy. And I noticed there was a hexagonal sign on the right. It was red with white border around it. But my brain in the moment would not tell me it was a stop sign. I drove through it. Mm. Almost caused a car crash. I believe this was a divine moment to get my attention. Nobody got hurt, but I pulled over and I said, wow. And then shortly after that, I'm driving down uh, a, a country road uh, in, in Brewster going to Orleans. And um, there was a young woman crossing her bicycle on a pedestrian crossing. And until the last minute, my brain would not tell me someone was in that crosswalk. I, I, I didn't, it wasn't like inches away, but it, 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 my, I, I blanked out another time. Uh, I told you about my four-door yellow Jeep. You can't miss it. Bright yellow. I don't have it anymore. Um, and on, on Cape Cod, we have to take our uh, a trash to the dump. It, it's it's kind of cool. And I was thinking maybe there should be a sports bar there. And people, <laughs> no, they campaign there. And, and uh, you just see all your neighbors at the dump. And I know it sounds crude, but we're I, had, crude. I, I had to do that when I lived in Georgia, actually. We didn't have garbage right. pickup. So, yeah, yeah well, I think it's kind of cool. People in other parts of the country might relate. And um, so I, I had my car parked and I threw my trash away. And then I said, and I wrote about this in the book, how do I get home? And I said, well, I could call my wife. I could call my son, my kids, friends. My yellow Jeep was right in front of me. And in that moment, um, my brain would not tell me that was my car. So there's a difference between uh, losing your car keys and not knowing you have a car. I want to put a plug in now for a good friend of mine, Lisa Genova, who wrote the book Still Alice. Right. And she, she's been very, very helpful to me. We're very good friends. She wrote, she wrote a book here called Remember. And there's a chapter uh, about me in here talking about the difference between uh, Alzheimer's and, and, and normal aging. And it's just, it's Lisa G-E-N-O-V-A, Remember. And it, 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 it's, it's an important book along with her book, Still Alice, for, for people to, to get. Yeah, she actually wrote a really nice review of uh, of on Pluto. It's a blurb. Um, can I? I'll quote her. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Told with extraordinary vulnerability, grace, humor, and profound insight. On Pluto is an intimate look inside the mind of Greg O'Brien, a journalist diagnosed with young onset Alzheimer's. But the real gem of On Pluto lies in its unflinching look inside Greg's heart. If you're trying to understand what it feels like to live with Alzheimer's, and you are because you're reading these words, then you need to read this book. Um, and yeah, and she appears in the in the documentary as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's that, that book. Remember, it, it's a New York Times bestseller now. It's a good book for people who might be listening who, who say, "Geez, do I need to get a test?" My advice, and I think these interviews are good when you can give people advice because nobody wants a train wreck. So right. I try to stay away from. I try to make you laugh and yeah. stay away from the train wreck, <laughs> and it is a train wreck. 
you know? Yeah. Bugs Bunny, though. Bugs yeah. Bunny. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, you know, just for people who are concerned about memory loss and stuff like that, education is good. So read, remember, Lisa Janola. Yeah, I'll put a link to that as well in the um, yeah. uh, description for the show. Wherever you're listening to it, you should be able to find that. Um, so before I get to the uh, final question about the L.A. Uh, Alzheimer's Associates uh, or Association of Speech, um, I want to just kind of give a plug for the film and your book. Uh, so sure. I'll put, oh, yeah. I'll put links to both that stuff. But the film is screening yeah. right now in various places. Various places. And um, soon it will be uh, digitally online. And, you know, you could purchase it and uh, uh, it's going to be streamed. We're working on that. There's a good side. I, I want to make sure people get the credit. Um, you know, I was co-producer and I wrote it was a narrator. But uh, Steve Eccleson, uh, who was a filmmaker, we grew up in Rhine, New York, outside Manhattan. And his mom and my mom were friends. They were den, den mothers and they both died of Alzheimer's. So part of this film is, is dedicated to them. Uh, also, uh, we have a lot of talent uh, behind the scenes. Brad Ball, former top executive with Warner Brothers, other people, uh, uh, you know, involved. Amy Prenner. I, mean, I could. There's so many names I, I'm not going to remember. But so um, I like to give credit where it's due. Credit, first of all, goes to the Lord. Um, and thank you again, God, for calling me a dumbass. And um, and and then it goes to the others. And um, I, I just uh, so I'm going to say something now because I know living in New England, there are a lot of New England Patriot haters out there, and it's okay. But you know, it's the old saying: "You hate us because you ain't us." And uh, so, uh, but I, I want a God like Bill Belichick who just says, "Do your job." Right. Yeah. And when I get to heaven one day, I just would like the Lord to look me in the eye and say, "You know, you're a pain in the ass, and and you sinned a lot, and you took my name in vain." but you did your job. <laughs> That's beautiful. And that, that, that would light me up. Like you can't believe That's beautiful. Um, I think you should write like a prayer that just begins. Thanks for making me a dumbass. <laughs> I think that would be, <laughs> I think that, that would resonates be a, with a lot of people. <laughs> that would be a great prayer. Uh, well, why don't you, uh, I will put links to all to your book okay. uh, on Pluto and as well as to the website where they can find information about the film. Um, okay. there are YouTube videos with excerpts and trailers. Yeah. It's all a really, stuff. it's a really fine, um, documentary. I'm very excited to share, um, uh, to have people watch it because it's really, really moving. It's really well produced. Um, and very informative. I actually learned a lot um, in the hour and a half of its running time. And so it's a, it's well worth your time. Um, and if even if you don't believe this disease affects you currently, it probably will in one way or another sometime yeah. during your life. But if it does, go get a clinical test. Yeah. Um, can I, and, and you could edit out whatever you want, but can I end with the, the anecdote about my mom in LA? Oh yeah. Is this about the speech? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, please. Right. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, probably six, eight months, I forget what it was after my mom's death. Um, I was asked by the Alzheimer's Association. I served on their uh, early onset advisory board uh, at their main office in Chicago, their headquarters. And they, and I did some speaking around the country for them. And they asked me to speak at their annual uh, Hollywood uh, fundraiser uh, where that was at the Beverly Hills uh, a hotel where, um, you know, they have a lot of, uh, uh, golden globe awards and stuff like, you know, the, one of the, the venues there. And, um, they had a thousand people 
and it was uh, a lot of uh, Oscar, Emmy, Tony Award winners, and they had a lot of entertainment. It, well, they raised they raised big money, as they always do. And it was called a a, a night at Sardi's, uh, which is a play off the New York place, uh, and. Um, so they, they asked me to give a speech and uh, I was the keynote Alzheimer's speech. They had the entertainment later. So I had written my speech out. I don't, I don't speak off the cuff. I can't do that anymore. I used to all the time, but I'm standing backstage and, um, and I got nervous and I'm generally not nervous when I write and I speak. If you ask me to do math, I get nervous. And, um, and, and, and so I, I looked up to heaven and I said, mom, this is for you. And I heard in my heart, and I heard my mother's voice in my heart. She said, Greg, you rock this. You just rock it. And I went out and I rocked it. I had the speech written and I rocked it. And as I was speaking, it was really cool. There was a woman standing behind me. She made me feel so comfortable, so loved, so in the moment, so relaxed. I felt that I wasn't alone on the stage and um, I wanted to turn around and see who she was, but I just said, stay focused, stay focused. So when I was finished, um, about a thousand people stood up in a standing ovation. I started crying, they started crying and some of them and um, David Hyde Pierce, the actor, uh, he was the MC, put his you know face in the microphone and said, see, that's what we're talking about. And I turned around to um, thank the woman and she was gone. And uh, so I go back to the table room is filled table of 10 and i turned to my wife mary catherine and i said who is the woman behind me she made on stage she made me feel so comfortable so encouraged so loved so in the moment who was she excuse me and my wife said what i said who was the woman behind me who made me feel so comfortable so loved so encouraged so in the moment and she said greg there was no woman. I turned around to the 10 people at the table and I said, who was the woman who made me feel so comfortable? And they said, there was no woman. You were on the stage alone. And I said, no, I wasn't. The spirit of my mother was there and the spirit of uh, maybe hundreds, if not thousands of others in this disease was there. Yeah, that's a beautiful story, Greg. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you for all the work you're doing. Um, you're doing really unique and important work by, by sharing this story as it's going on with us. And, and, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know this isn't easy for you. Um, I know it's exhausting for you to, uh, to give talks like this. And, uh, I really do appreciate, uh, your graciousness and willingness to come on the show, uh, and talk to us. Uh, if anybody has any questions about this disease, um, check out the links that I'll provide in the course or the description of the show, uh, wherever you're listening to it. Greg O'Brien, author of On Pluto, star of Have You Heard About Greg? Uh, thank you for joining me today. God bless. Thanks. I, I, I enjoyed it. Hope I, I made you laugh.